The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets are spinning through space. Smile upon your face. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of Sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a lovely ride. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome, I am your host, Jay Taylor. Um also the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and to learn more about my work and the work of my two partners who are with me here in the first segment, Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand, you can go to miningstocks.com, that's for me and Chen, and for myself and Roger Wiegand, you can go to webeatthestreet.com, that's webeatthestreet.com. You can also sign up for special trial offers, as there are lower cost offers to allow you to at least try our service to see if it if it's what uh, will work for you two other websites where i am posting on a daily uh, a daily blog are jtaylormedia.com that's j a y taylormedia.com and goldinvestor.com and to keep up uh, with some of the companies on my radar screen in fact some of them have now made it into my newsletter you can go to jayswatchlist.com that's j a y s watchlist.com uh, to learn more about some of the companies that uh, that, I've, that I'm taking a real close look at. And some of them are turning out to be quite interesting and I think should be very rewarding over the longer run. Well, I want to thank each of you for listening to the show. Uh, clearly, that's why we're here, to talk to you. And, and we would like to, sometime in the new year, when we go to a two-hour format, perhaps have a more of a two-way street where you can call in 
and talk to us and ask us questions, uh, questions of myself, Chen Lin, Roger Wiegand, and our guests. When we have a two-hour format, there may be more time uh, to do that. We always find ourselves so squashed with the amount of time we have to talk about the uh, essential items we think are essential uh, items to talk about in this very troubled time of investing. I also want to thank our corporate sponsors, uh, because without them, this show would not be financially possible. Apollo Gold, Bonterra Resources, Hawthorne Gold, Metanor Resources, Pediment Gold, Palangio Explorations, and Sand Gold. All of those are our sponsors for this, uh, for this season, which ends on the last day of this year. While we're on the topic of sponsors, I guess I should just bring to your attention uh, really only one news item this week among our sponsors. We like to bring important news of our sponsors uh, to your attention. Metanor Resources announced that they are boosting their uh, offering. They're going public. They are um, making a public offering to raise seven million Canadian dollars at fifty cents a share, and they have one warrant attached to that at sixty-five cents over the next 24 months, and Metanor will use the net proceeds of the private placement to increase and upgrade its mineral resources on its Barry property. That's an open pit property from which they are feeding their mill right now. And they'll also use it to advance uh, development activities at the Bachelor Lake properties. That's the underground mine um, the, where they uh, will expect to pull higher grade ore and mix it with the Barry deposit ore in the near future. Well, this morning, gold reached $1,200 an ounce. In fact, it was up there, I think, slightly over $1,200 uh, today, this afternoon. That's another new high. And many of you may be wondering how to buy gold. Well, here's one way, I think, and it's one way that I purchased gold, uh, goldmoney.com. But you can go to our website, miningstocks.com. Go to miningstocks.com near the upper left-hand corner of our website. You can click on goldmoney.com, and it will take you right into the gold money website and a very convenient low-cost way to buy hold and store gold and also low-cost way to sell it and you can sell your gold turn it into five different currencies and have it wired into your bank account a very very unique product and james turk who's been a guest on this show is the proprietor owns the patent to this process and uh... it, it is a very convenient way to buy gold so you may want to think about going to miningstocks.com clicking on the uh, gold money icon for that our portfolio is doing extremely well this year. We are up now 77.89% as of yesterday, the end of the end of November. Junior golds are up 171%. Uh, our gold producers were up 56%. Uh, uranium shares are really on a tear. They're up 167% this year. Oil and gas up 61%. Gold and silver, which we buy through the Central Fund of Canada is up 31% this year. It's a mixture of gold and silver. Prudent Bear Fund is down 16%, and the short, uh, the long-term bond through the Ridex Fund is down 2.2%. Um, our inflation deflation watch is looking quite toppy um, in many ways, uh, I would say, and and likewise for the equity markets as we look at the equity markets overall. You know, if you take a longer-term view of the equity markets, go back and look at the NASDAQ that reached 4,000 in the year 2000. You know, the Dow Jones was, was at 14,000 uh, uh, at one point, and uh, the S&P had a double top at much higher levels. None of these indexes have come back anywhere near their tops, in spite of the fact that we've had huge amounts of money being pumped into the monetary system by our central banks and by central banks around the world. Something is going on here. It is not working. 
We are seeing a rebound, of course, in the equity markets and the commodity markets. We are seeing a bump, uh, a major rise off the lows that we saw uh, coming off of March of this year. But clearly, this uh, the real economy certainly is not moving up at all, and unemployment is rising very dramatically. Uh, the housing market remains in a shambles. Ninety percent of the mortgages that are being made are being made by the are basically our government-funded mortgages through Fannie and Freddie, and so this economy remains in a, in a huge, uh, huge problem, I believe. Uh, so, in spite of the fact that we're seeing a rise in the equity markets, we think it's time to be to be very, very cautious. One of the things we want to look at. Uh, is the gold to silver ratio, and we're seeing that um, Bob Hoy, who will be our guest next week, our special guest next week, looks at a ratio of 65 to 1. When you see gold getting higher than 65 to 1, Bob suggests that's a hint that a credit implosion is nearby. Well, it had gotten to 65. Now we're seeing a, uh, on Friday with the Dubai news, and now we're seeing a rise again in the inflation play the last few days, so it's somewhere below that. But Bob will be here with us next week to talk about that, uh, so you'll want to tune in next week. Now, uh, before we go to our special guest this week, it's Brent Cook. Who uh, Brent is a geologist who spends uh, a lot of time looking at mining companies and mining projects. He's going to give us some great ideas on how, uh, on how, and how, what we should be looking at before we put our money into mining projects. But before we get to Brent, I want to spend just a few seconds here with my two partners, Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand. Uh, Chen, first, um, I understand you have some ideas um, about what may be driving this gold market right now. Could you just talk about that for a second? Oh, yeah. Um, last week, as soon as the uh, Dubai incident happened, actually, before the announcement, Chinese um, Investment Council already visiting were visiting Dubai. And then, um, I believe on Friday or Monday, they, the, one of the top officials said this is a great buying opportunity for, for China to buy more you know, to buy oil and buy gold, especially on a lower price. Mm-hmm. So actually, they are busy in using this opportunity. You know, using the day traders, uh, you know, getting out of the position to to accumulate more gold and, and oil. So the Chinese saw this as a great buying opportunity when gold was well over eleven hundred dollars last week. Exactly, it was uh, got whacked. You know, on the Thanksgiving uh, night. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, and they're also suggesting buying oil. Exactly. So the China want to try to diversify from the dollar, you know, which is clearly going under, going I mean, going lower and lower. Chen, your friends back in China are they are are they of a like mind with respect to gold? Are they all saying let's buy gold and let's dump dollars, or what are they? What are your friends, your your parents and others, relatives and people you know and talk to on a regular basis in China? What are they saying? Well, most people they are haven't wake up for gold yet. So that's what I heard. You know, some people they just. Say, oh, okay, gold. Yeah, maybe, maybe should invest in gold. You know, be, part of it is because uh, in the communist era, people are forbidden to own gold. So yeah. gold was just a new thing ten years, you know, about less than ten years ago. That gold become legally people can own gold and silver legally in China. So, yeah. so people still in disbelief, but there's a lot of people starting to accumulating gold. So you're I saying think. the vast majority of Chinese, as I think is true, still in America and the U.S. here. Are not gold investors yet? No, no, no. Just, just one of my friends, he's like a very bullish in gold. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I talk to them, gold, 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 and they, they just, you know, seems like nothing to them. But now they start waking up. They say, wow, how high can, 
and go, go. Chen, I have to ask you, because we don't have too much time here, but you also have a silver stock that you think is really worth people taking a look at. Would you care to talk just a moment about that, please? Exactly. The, the company is for Golden Mineral. Uh, it's a GDMN on the pink sheet and AUM in Toronto. AUM. Uh, they just have a fantastic trading result. It's uh, 3 kilograms per ton over 12 meters. Okay, wow. 3 kilograms from over 12 meter. They are actually filing IPO for Amex, so it was not announced. You have to go to their website, goldenminerals.com. Okay, hit on the trading results, and then you go hit, check the whole number 167. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's where they have this fantastic trading. They just, just drill this, and then because of quiet period of IPO, they cannot announce it. Uh, doing anything appear to be promotional. So, but for us investor, we can see we we can see this is probably the best trading result, one of the best trading results we've seen this year. So. Well, Chen, this company has a project. They're producing silver. I mean, they are the manager of a of a silver production uh, of a silver mine. I think in uh, Bolivia, I believe. So they have some cash flow. But you're this is a project they think they can get into production fairly soon within a couple of years. Exactly, um, maybe less because there's nobody living there, and there's plenty of water. The management over there very poor region, and then mm-hmm. the, the the very pro mining, so they can get into that. The bottom line is they own like 45 properties, mm-hmm. uh, and they just cherry picking two of mm-hmm. them to drill. And they have another property in Mexico uh, that's potentially be another world class asset. Mm-hmm. They're drilling them right now. This result should come out in a few weeks. So they basically. They and they will continue trading the other property as well. They base a 20 million market cap and they have 15 million cash in the bank. So it's uh, it's like no brainer right now, especially gold and silver at this price. All right. Well, that's interesting. Of course, one hole does not make a mining project, but we uh, but we'll we'll be watching that one closely going forward. Uh, Roger, I'd like to get your ideas here on gold. Where do you see? I mean, technically, looking at the charts, where do you see gold heading? Well, we're at our best time of the year, Jay. Uh, right now. On cycles in time, gold is getting ready. It's flattening right now. We made 1,200. And uh, I think within the next few days, after a mild sideways move, gold is going to go up at least another 20%, uh, probably uh, into February. Uh, Silver is going even faster. It's up 3.3% today, uh, $19.13 on the March contract. We're now in the Fed futures on the gold. some of the numbers that we do see on, on gold coming up are we've made the 1200 now we're looking for 1250 1260 I think we still have time this month in December to see that number. And that was my call many months ago when we were at that show in New Jersey. Okay, Roger, but that. when you see a metal, when you see any market going up, it almost, looks almost parabolic here. Maybe not yet, but it's really getting, getting, it's rising very rapidly. Markets don't go up forever. No, they don't. When are we going to see a pullback here? Yeah, we're going to see a pullback here. Uh, we thought the pullback would come a month ago, if not earlier. Mm-hmm. But uh, everything is just in a, uh, a major push. But uh, I think what you'll see, Jay, is you're going to see a relief uh, in the prices where you'll go into a, a small correction. We did see it a little bit today on the December daily gold futures. But after one, one, uh, one hour or two hours on a corrective mode, it turned right around and went even higher. So, you know, there's no question that the pressure is on the buy side. The commodity funds have come in with over a billion dollars a week for the last two weeks. Most of the time they're long only. They buy a basket of commodities. That includes gold and silver, grain, and all the other stuff. And uh, they don't sell very often. 
usually what they do when they buy, they'll put in several hundred million in the basket. They stay all the way to May, and they will trade a little bit off the 50- and 200-day averages, but they're long only. Okay, so I guess until we see another major scare, what Robert McHugh is talking about, a, uh, a major pullback, or he's talking about the beginning of the sea wave down, that may shake some people out, but at least now the party is going strong and people are really enjoying this run, aren't they? Absolutely, and I agree with McHugh, but I think that's coming in May. Okay, and a lot of people are saying next year now it's not going to happen this year. Well, anyway, next coming up is Brent Cook, and Brent's going to talk to us about some specific ideas he has and what he looks for as a professional geologist, as an exploration geologist, what to look for when you're buying gold stocks or any kind of mining stocks. We're going we're gonna to pick Brent's brains about, about this, and you don't want to miss this if you're an investor in, in mining shares. So we'll be right back with Brent Cook. Don't go away. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love and ride. 
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times and the Good Times. Well, it is a pleasure to have with me Brent Cook, a geologist um, that is very well known among professional investors, people who sink serious dollars into the mining sector. Brent Cook uh, is is well known. Uh, he's the author of uh, Exploration Insights. That's a mining and exploration investment newsletter, and you can learn more about that by going to explorationinsights.com. Explorationinsights.com. He has over 25 years of experience providing economic and geologic evaluations to major companies, resource funds, and investors, and he has worked in over 50 countries on virtually every mineral deposit type, ranging from grassroots projects. Through feasibility studies and bank audits, he was the principal mining and exploration analyst to Global Resource Investments uh, through 2003, where he provided analysis uh, to retail brokers and to two in-house funds. His newsletter selectively covers junior mining and exploration investment opportunities. Uh, Brent, uh, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, thank you. Glad to be on your show, Jay. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. We meet up at these gold shows all, all the time, and uh, we uh, are occasionally on panels together, and I always enjoy your insights. And um, I know that you you sort of watch money. You're, you're not a reckless investor. You're very, very cautious. And uh, I think uh, sometimes when we see markets running the way this one is, caution is a really good uh, attribute to have. I would agree. Um, I would agree. I'm a bit I'm cautious right now. I've been cautious in the newsletter and, and very selective as well. In the newsletter, we've got only 13 stocks right now, but mm-hmm. that's the way I work. Yeah, well, then you can watch those 13 very carefully and, and know them well, too. I think that uh, I can identify with that because I tend to be a, a little less restrictive than you and then have a lot of different companies to keep an, to keep an eye on, and sometimes it's, you just don't keep up with things as well as you would if you had fewer of them, so I can appreciate that. And being selective also makes sense of... Uh, Buying value. I think you're a value investor. Would you consider yourself to be? I definitely am. Um, I look at a company or a project, and always in the back of my mind, it comes down to what's the net present value of this property? What's it going to cost to actually extract the ore, process it, mine it, capital costs? Uh, when I look at a project and go on the site and pick up a rock, that's really what you've got to come down to. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line, isn't it? What's it going to cost, and what's the net present value of that? of that investment. Now, what sort of net present value discount factor do you use, do you think is appropriate in this market, Brent? Well, it's tough. It, it, it depends on um, where the project's located and what the metal is. Realistically, gold projects are valued in the market you know, on zero uh, net present value. Um, I tend to go with more of a 5% mm-hmm. discount. Uh, and then I run, you know, I run the numbers at, say, 900, 1,000, 1,100 or to gold. I think Nine hundred is a good base to start at. Um, I tend to let my uh, subscribers and such decide what gold price they're happy with. Sure, uh, that's more of a you know decision that they make. Sure. I just provide information as to what something is potentially worth at different values. at different gold prices. Exactly. Okay. 
All right. So we're talking gold now. You're not just a gold analyst. You're, you know, you're an analyst of, of mining projects uh, overall. What about some of the other metals? Is gold, is gold the hot one now for you, or are you interested in some other metals too? Um, to be honest with you, right now I'm not terribly bullish on any metal. Mm-hmm. Including gold. Including gold. I, mean, I love gold. I mean, most of the stocks in the portfolio are gold stocks, mm-hmm. and I really like gold and, and that sort of thing. But to be honest with you, I think that uh, gold, as well as the other metals, the equity markets, real estate outside of the uh, you know, U.S. and such, are all in a, a bull market. And in fact, I think it's a, a bubble. Mm-hmm. I'm not real positive on any metals. But mm-hmm. that being said, what I'm very, very positive on is the, is the discoveries. Uh-huh. Um, regardless of what the prices do over the you know, next month or six months or a year, we've got a number of major mining companies making good money right now, mm-hmm. and they are unable to replace their reserves. Mm-hmm. So if I can identify a company that's got a you know, early, early stage um, project that has the potential or is early stages of discovery, that's what I'm really bullish on, regardless of the metal. Okay, well, let's get into some of those ideas now. You have some favorites, I know, that you... Uh, that you mentioned to me, uh, Marisol, Frontier, uh, Foscan, those are some of your favorites. Would you care to talk about those? And maybe are those ca- the kinds of companies you're looking for? Are those the kind of companies that can find major deposits that might interest a major? Is that what you're looking for? And are those the companies that might have the prospect of doing so? Yeah, they are. Uh, Marisol is one we've had now for probably eight months, six mm-hmm. to eight months, I believe. We got it uh, early on. I know the people running it. I know the projects. I know they're active in Patagonia. I used to work down there, so I know the terrain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just last week, they released a drill hole of uh, something that were 25 meters grading 1,700 grams per ton silver. Whoa. Um, that's a spectacular hole, and, and the stock doubled since then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a company I like a lot. It's not one that I'm currently buying. I'm waiting to see some more drill holes mm-hmm. to see if there's any size to that. It's a very, very well-run company. Um, they follow a joint venture model where they've got other pe- people spending the big dollars on their projects. Uh, the project in Patagonia is being worked by uh, Cura uh, Silver. Mm-hmm. If they can step out 50, 100 meters and replicate that sample, that drill interval, uh, Cura is a very likely buyer of this company. And if not, I see. they've got something. So that's the style of thing I look for is getting in early and, and hoping not hoping, but watching the project as it develops. Sure. Well, Brent, do you like that sort of a model then, that business model, the um, oh, the project generator or prospect generator, I guess you call it? Is that is that a favorite way to invest in your a conservative way to invest? It is. I would say probably half the stocks in the portfolio, uh, the expiration stocks, follow that model. And it is an intelligent way to do it because realistically, the chances of any one project turning into an economic deposit Mm-hmm. looking like that, is less than 10%. It's probably 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, you work out the numbers on that, and what it costs to actually test, uh, say, 100 projects to get the one that works, mm-hmm. by that time that happens, your share of that company has been diluted through finances and such. So we're getting diluted at the project scale, mm-hmm. but we're not getting diluted at the company. Right. So, if speaking of that, then with respect to Marisol, could you tell us what their symbol is and what is their? How many shares do they have outstanding? The symbol's MRZ, and they've got, uh, I 
29 million shares out right now. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, for people that may not be familiar with the prospect generator model, uh, what it is is uh, companies will go in and, and discover or, uh, you know, lay claims to, to ground that has exploration potential, usually by smart geologists who have some sense of that, and then they'll get other companies to come in and spend their money to do the high-risk uh, drill holes and, and other exploration efforts, and, and in that way, reduce the uh, dilution to shareholders. I mean, there's um, so that's that's the model, isn't it? That's right. You dilute at the property scale. For instance, the Marisol project with Coor, Coor has to spend, I guess, $6 million bucks to earn 51%, mm-hmm. and they can earn up to 71% by bringing this thing to production, financing mm-hmm. through to production. So it costs Mirasol zero to get 29% of what they find. And then if they find something really big, it can be a, a very, very big uh, payoff for uh, for Mirasol's shareholders. Oh, for sure. And it, there are it, not that many shares out, which is a big part of the equation. That's key. You look at most of these junior exploration companies, and they just dilute, dilute, dilute. Yes, Yes, we know. We're painfully aware of that. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I try to avoid that one. What's the share price on uh, on Marisol right now? It's about Canadian one twenty seven today, I believe. Okay, so you're keeping an eye on it and seeing if they continue to make more. Just you know, if they continue to expand the deposit, I guess, and then you'll take it from there. Yeah, I mean, we're in this at uh, twenty cents, and so we're we're past. Um, well, you've done very well with it, then. I've, yeah, this has been a nice one. Brent, do you usually tell your subscribers to maybe take some money off the table as soon as they get their capital back or at some point in time? It, it depends on the project uh, and the mm-hmm. company and what stage they're at. Um, I've got, you know, there's a typical mining curve where you've got the develop, uh, exploration stage, the success stage, and then there's the stage where we start having to worry about um, mining costs, metallurgy, all those sorts of issues, the mm-hmm. details. I think when it gets close to that stage where you're looking at actually Thinking about building a mine or doing the hard work that comes to proving that you know, the resource is worthwhile, mm-hmm. that's the time to start taking money off the table. And a lot of times the share price goes nowhere for two, three, four years while the mine is being, while all that process is going on, isn't it the case? Unless somebody, unless it's a property that's good enough that someone, you know, a major company comes in and wants to come in and bid for it, and maybe if you have a competitive bid, especially. Yeah, that's what, well, with uh, Canplatz, that was another one we bought mm-hmm. a couple months ago because the property was good enough that I felt a major would come in and, and go after it, and fortunately Gold Corp did, so that, that worked. Uh-huh. We didn't have to go through the whole um, feasibility uh, study stage. Right, and that can take several, you know, two, three years or so at least. Yeah, and it costs and, a lot of money as well. And then financing and getting financing lined up, and then you worry about more dilution because sometimes they have to raise more equity and so on and so forth, right? So. You're really focused on the early exploration, and the exploration, the sweet spot would be for you when these companies are starting to pile up ounces in the ground. That's Generally. right. When, when, when we're getting towards the uh, initial drill stage and when the first drill holes are coming in, um, that's the sweet spot for me. Uh, and that's, you know, that's what I know. I'm a geologist. I go look at sure. the projects. I've seen, I've seen lots of them. Sure. But a better than, you know, better than average sense of what's going to look good and what isn't. Sure. Okay, let's take, uh, if you want to talk about Frontier a little bit, could you speak about that one? Frontier is a different sort of company. They've got, um, oh, geez, how much? A lot of money in the bank. I think 200-odd million dollars in the bank. Wow. Um, How many shares do they have? 160. Let me look this up for you. Yeah. Um, But they've got a number of projects uh, in in the advanced development stage. Mm -hmm. It's not an exploration company, but I think there's value there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they've got 51% of a discovery uh, with AUEX in Nevada mm-hmm. Canyon. They just put out a preliminary economic assessment on that. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got Northumberland, which has close to 3 million ounce resource in. It's a troubled resource. It's metallurgy complicated, but they're in the stage now where they're they're understanding what the issues are, and they think they can crack the metallurgy. And they've also re-evaluated the geology and seem to be coming up with a much higher-grade central core that uh, will make this thing fly. And they've mm-hmm. also got a uh, uranium deposit uh, in Labrador, the Michelin deposit, that they're getting no value for right now. The uh, native community has banned uranium mining. Mm-hmm. However, I think that will be overturned next year. And this is a very, very robust uh, uranium project. Do you think it will be overturned in the courts, Brent, or the or the natives will have a change of heart? Or? I, I think it's a change of heart. The natives. There's a vote next uh, next spring, I believe, in which right. new members are put in. And, and this project is a huge uh, economic benefit to you know that part of the world and all of Canada. Canada. This is a major project, and I think once those that issue is out of the way. I wouldn't doubt to see we get someone like Cameco or Riva or mm-hmm. some Korean consortium, whatever, come in and take this project on. Could you talk a little bit about that uranium project? Is it an open pit? Is it a you know, high grade? What sort of a mine is it? It's, might a, it be? it's a moderate grade. Uh, it's open pit and goes underground. It's a milling operation, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have the numbers right now. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But I, I just uh, yeah, I knew there was there was some of those issues with that one and the metallurgical problem on the other on the other project as well. But uh, if you like it, uh, there's certainly reasons to for people to pay attention to it. Then what about uh, Foscan? Foscan Foscan is an interesting story. It's it's a company with about seventy two million bucks in the bank and the market cap um, something under seventy million dollars, mm-hmm. and they've got a, a a major phosphate deposit that requires a billion dollars at least to build. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. So they they raised a lot of money. They got the deposit. They're on the final stages of completing a uh, feasibility study on it. And then it sits. Uh, financing is tough. Billion-dollar project is tough to get financed. Mm-hmm. What you've got there is a company selling for less than cash with a major asset that at some point is worth something. And a mm-hmm. smart fella, Steve Case, running it that is looking for opportunistic investments, as he mm-hmm. calls it. You know, companies that are, you can see where the cash flow and uh, value aren't recognized because they don't have the money to uh, bring things into production. So he's looking for opportunities with that $70 million. So you get a free ride. Yeah. Well, let's see, those are ideas. And as a value investor, you're looking at, you know, selling for less than cash, for goodness sakes, with an asset that... Uh, Obviously, I mean, I guess the risk that a lot of investors have to be willing and able to to assume here is a risk of time, the time value of money. When you put your money into these things, you can sit with them for quite a while, can't you? Yeah, that's right. That's, um, and, you know, I've been sitting on this thing for over a year now, and I'm I'm happy with that. I haven't lost yeah. time on it. <laughs> well, a year isn't too bad. I mean, I've, I've done worse. <laughs> Well, let's talk about another favorite of mine. It's been a favorite of mine, although I think at the San Francisco Gold Show I ask you um, – whether you didn't think it was fully priced, and I mean, because that's the sense that I had, and I'm talking about it's a sponsor of this show, actually, Sand Gold. What are your thoughts on Sand Gold? I mean, at the, when I asked you that in San Francisco, you uh, just sort of smiled and said, "Yeah, I think it's fully priced, but I'm not selling. Why not?" 
Yeah, I've had that for quite a while as well, and I bought it when it was overpriced, and uh, you know it's gone up more than double since then, and it's still overpriced. But yeah, but I own this because of the exploration potential, mm-hmm. um, and and that's what's key here. And, and you know, you've watched this as well. Is mm-hmm. every three weeks they put out new drill holes on you know one of their recent discoveries, or they discover a new vein. I'm just mm-hmm. last week uh, a new vein discovery was two and a half meters at uh, 1,100 grams. Yeah, gold. I mean, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. It's, it's impressive. So, and all this lies within um, within a you know couple square kilometers of their operating mine. Mm-hmm. So they can. There's no permitting issues to speak of. Mm-hmm. There's no infrastructure, capital in- issues to speak of. They just drift underground to these new veins and, and bring them into production. It's mm-hmm. it's great, and they keep finding them. And at some point. I can't help but think that uh, a major looks at this and, and takes it on. Yeah, you would think so. And I know one of the beauties here is that they can scale up now with very minimal capital cost. I think they can go up to 1,700 tons or something like that a day. They are starting to mix some of their higher-grade material in the last quarter, which allowed them to to show their first operating profit, I believe. Um, and so things are definitely improving. I was actually there, Brent, a couple of years ago, went down a mile into the ground, and I said, this is not what I would want to do for a living at all, I'll tell you that. But, uh, oh, I can I can relate to that. I was 5K underground in South Africa, and that was oof. the worst place I'd ever been. Hot, very hot, probably. That was awful. Yeah. Um, a couple of your best picks over the years. Could you maybe give us some, I mean, you just named a couple of good ones, but do you have any more you'd like to really it was a good one. That was interesting. I went down to Ecuador and met with uh, Steve Leary, the geologist, and he walked me through the uh, his conceptual target. Mm-hmm. And the stock was at 65 cents, I believe, and they had a million bucks in the bank. Mm-hmm. And I didn't buy it at that point because it was just, you know, I thought the odds weren't good that they would discover it. Mm-hmm. When they drilled that one first hole of 200 meters of six grams, I believe it was, we jumped on it at 85 cents. And rolled that up quite a ways. It finally got bought out at I think twenty bucks um, pre-split. Wow! Uh, and you know, so I I knew what they were after, and I was able to recognize what the significance of that drill hole was. Yeah. So that that was a good one. Um, yeah. Mag Silver is another one. We we bought in at uh, fifty cents early on. I went down and looked at the project, and I could see the geologic setting was you know, identical to the adjacent Fresnillo which is mm-hmm. the best silver deposit in the world. And it took a while, but eventually this stock got to $15. Mm-hmm. Actually, we, we bought back into it recently, um, well, about a year ago, mm-hmm. in the $5 range, and it's up to 7 something now, and I'm expecting at some point their partner is going to take them over. I just don't know when. Oh, you think Mag Silver will be taken over by Fresnillo or by, um, is I that the, the major company down there, right? Let's just say it makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. Right, right. Um, well, you mentioned that you've worked, I think you said, in 50 different countries? That's right. And so you must have some sense of political risk. Pretty good. What, what about, um, you know, what, where would be your favorite, let's say your top five countries to work in, political risk-wise? Um, I'll go with more specific, because I think political risk is, is more local. Yeah, even within countries, you can have a lot of difference with, with respect to uh, what environmental issues or political issues, right? Exactly. In Argentina, you can't throw it in together. If you're in Santa Cruz province, for instance, where Mirasol is, 
I think that's one of the better places in the world to be. However, if you're in Chibut, which is two provinces north, that's probably not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, in Canada, I think, you know, obviously Quebec is the best place probably in the world to be exploring in terms of uh, politics and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. All of Canada is a good place. Right. Uh, Quebec seems to be very balanced with respect to environmental issues, would you say? Definitely. They're, they're, they understand mining. They know what it brings to the the economy, yes, and they, and they understand it and they encourage it. Yeah, so that's a good place to be. Um, what about Chile? Chile again, got one of the best. In South America, just again, I know things are local, but um, recently I've seen that uh, Colombia has been upgraded. What are your thoughts on that? I like Colombia. I think as a gold province, it's probably one of the better in the world, and there's a lot left to be found there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there five, six years ago could see it was improving, and actually I'm heading off there on Thursday again to spend a week looking at a number of companies and such. And yeah, I think Columbia is definitely a, a, a good place to be exploring, provided you understand the local issues, you've got the security situation under control, and mm-hmm. you know, you're not walking into the wrong area. Yeah, so it's still a security issue, but I saw much less so than in the past, and I one one group was ranking it second in, as far as countrywide goes, only to Chile as far as South America is concerned. I wouldn't go that far. You wouldn't go that far, okay. Because <laughs> no. you, you've certainly been to Peru and places like that. and other, Well, you've been all over, basically, 50 countries. So I, I would say in South America, Bolivia and Ecuador, I, I don't care much for. Yeah. You'd stay away from those places. I, I, Afri- yeah, the... Africa? Any place in Africa you'd feel good about mining? Um, certain... Ghana? Ghana. Mali, Mauritania, um, Tanzania, possibly. Tanzania, yes. Yeah. Okay. Zimbabwe. What about China? China, I won't go to. <laughs> won't go to Russia. Russia. Likewise, Russia, I would not put my mind there. Yeah, I mean that's that's my thinking too. Is with respect to China, I know uh, my good friend Chen Lin, who's a partner, is Chinese, and he he won't put his money there. So to me, that's enough. I I think you don't want to go there. The rule of law and whether a contract can be upheld, isn't that a major consideration? Yeah, here's something interesting. China is now the largest gold producer in the world. Uh-huh. How many major mining companies are there? I don't know of any. I, well, there must be some. No, none. Absolutely none. None. I went there in 97 for Cyprus, mm-hmm. and uh, they pulled out. All the major mining companies have had offices there. There's not one that actually has a mine there. And we've got Eldorado Gold, which seems to be doing well. And we've got Silver Corp, which is mm-hmm. doing well. Mm-hmm. And Jinshan, which is struggling on their deposit, but they're mm-hmm. active. But that doesn't speak too highly of, you know, if a major so mining must... company won't go to the largest mining country in the world. That's yeah, I mean, you wonder. Uh, it must be. Well, can these countries, can these companies pull their, pull their capital out? Do they have the right of repatriation of their funds? I believe that's so. a key. I'm not an expert on that. Yeah. But, I mean, that, as an investor, would be a key to me. I mean, I'm not interested in those countries because I think there's plenty of other places, uh, some of which Quebec and those other places that you've pointed out, those seem to be good ones for, uh, you know, why not? Why to go to China and places that are risky when you have so many other good opportunities? Uh, of course, there are not all that many good ones out there, are there, Brent? Really, when you think about it, as you just said, the odds of finding a commercial ore deposit are so low, really. And that's why, folks, you need to really... Sort of focus on, on, on Brent Cook's work, and I like to think my work and some other newsletter writers that cover the gold mining sector as well. But Brent, when it comes to technical things, is uh, really second to none 
as far as the newsletter writers go, I think. And you can learn more about Brent's work uh, by going to explorationinsights.com. Is that right, Brent? That's right. And on the website, there's actually three uh, reports you can get for free. One talks about geologists, one drill holes, and one uh, resources, the sorts of things to be aware of. Okay, well, that might be well worth uh, our listeners going to explorationinsights.com to learn more uh, from Brent Cook, more than what he's already given us. Thank you so much, Brent, for your generous uh, sharing of your time and your and your insights uh, for our listeners. I thank you very much, and uh, maybe we'll have you back again sometime to give us some more tips, some hot tips, perhaps. Thanks a lot, and folks, we're going to be right back. I've got Trace Meyer coming on uh, for the closing segment of this show. Trace is going to have some interesting things to say about gold and oil, and you don't want to miss Trace's insights. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well-positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome 
human race Some kind of love and ride I'll be sliding down I'll be gliding down Try not to try too hard It's just a love and ride You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Um, My guest during this wrap-up section is uh, Trace Meyer. Well, gold hit $1,200 today. Roger Wiegand told us on the first segment that he thinks gold could blow right past 1375. I believe that was his number. Gold is starting to look, however, like it's almost going parabolic. And uh, usually when markets move up so strongly, so rapidly, it's time to be a bit more cautious. Indeed, that's what Brent Cook was suggesting in uh, in the middle uh, discussion that we had with our special guest this week. But for some more thoughts on this idea of whether or not it's time to cool our jets with respect to gold, we're going to talk to Trace Meyer. Trace was with us a couple of weeks ago. Actually, um, I'm not sure exactly what the dates were, but if you... Those of you who are not familiar with Trace, you want to go back to the Voice America website. You can read his uh, his bio there and get uh, get some information on Trace. He does some very interesting work, which is why we have him back on the show today. So go back to Voice America's website and uh, read Trace's bio. It's, uh, as I say, a couple of weeks back. Uh, Trace, welcome to uh, Turning Hard Times into Good Times again. Oh, thanks, Jay. Great to be here. Well, it's uh, it's always interesting to read your really interesting stuff. Uh, what is your website again? Tell our listeners so they can go there. Uh, RunToGold.com. So you just run to the gold to be safe, right? <laughs> run, run to gold.com. You don't run away from gold.com, which suggests that maybe this notion of uh, being cautious on gold is not so prudent after all. What, what say you? Well, I, I, you saw the interview where I was on uh, national TV up there in Canada, uh-huh. and this this was back when you know gold, people were thinking, oh, gold's going to break down. It was about a thousand forty an ounce, remember? And and I was on TV. I was like, no, nah, we got the next round of credit crisis coming. We're going to see thirteen hundred gold by Q two. And now here we are. We're up. Uh, we've covered sixty six percent of it. You know, we've gone up about one hundred and sixty dollars of the of the two hundred and sixty dollars that I said that we'd probably need to. And we've still got another couple months uh, mm-hmm. to see that happen. I do I think that we're... Oh, what's that? Oh, I was just going to say, Trace, I haven't seen any major credit crisis, at least nothing blow wide open. We saw uh, the Dubai situation last Friday and Thanksgiving Day, and last Friday we saw Dubai start to to you know look like that could mushroom into something big. But so far it's been well contained. What happens if we see a real blowout in the credit markets? Well, we, we've seen some stuff that hasn't gotten too much press. We had CIT, we had this mess with Dubai, and uh, there was some news today that AIG sold two of its subsidiaries to the Federal Reserve for $25 billion. Huh. So, oh. so we're, I mean, the, the credit crisis is still going on. We just, uh, maybe we're immune to the news because we've just been shell-shocked with so many failures and so many problems. Yeah. Uh, but. 
but it's still, you know, it's, it's still there. Uh, you look at the M2 and the, the money multiplier, and during normal times, uh, you have a money multiplier between 8 and 9, and uh, in December of 08, it was down to 4.9, and currently, uh, the money multiplier is 4.2. So, you know, there's not new credits not being extended, which means that the oxygen of this fiat currency system and fractional reserve banking, the oxygen is not being created. And so that's why all these uh, these fractional reserve institutions are... are, are uh, they're hyperventilating and they can't breathe. Okay, well, that's, that's none, a very good point. Uh, the oxygen is being depleted. But look, I'm looking at an article that James Turk wrote. Uh, it's showing, it's talking exactly what you're talking about. The, the Federal Reserve becomes the buyer of last resort, and it's showing a shocking decline in liquidity to key credit markets. It's showing a shocking decline of lending to financial institutions, and it's showing the government purchase of all these lame assets, like the thing you're just talking about, the $25 billion from AIG. I mean, where is this going to go, Trace? How far can it go, and when are people going to wake up and say, wow, the United oh, well, States is broke? Yeah, they're, they're waking up. And, you know, James Turk is right on. I, I read that article also. And the quality of the assets that are now on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet are uh, increasingly deteriorating. Even though we see a little bit of up, uptick in the government securities on there, overall, uh, the, the quote-unquote quality of the of the Federal Reserve note dollar, it's just getting destroyed. And that's ultimately what gold is sniffing out. There's, it's sniffing out the currency crisis, the, the fiat currency graveyard that James Turk talks about. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, a, that's a credit crisis in its own, uh, in its own right, because it is a, a note, a Federal Reserve note, a, a bill of credit. And so... <laughs> All right. We're, well, t- Trace, we're we're, this, uh, we've uh, only got about two minutes. I got to wrap up here, but they, I wanted wanted to talk to you about oil and gold. You had made some observations and written something in Run to Gold about about the oil companies buying their own shares. Would you like to just elaborate on on what you were talking about there? If you can do that in one minute. Yeah, it's very simply, uh, the oil majors, the five major oil companies, Exxon, Chevron, etc. They in 2008 they bought back about 54 billion dollars of shares, so share repurchases. With what they spent on that, they could have bought the entire annual production of platinum, every single ounce that was mined. They could have bought the entire above ground stockpile of silver, all one billion ounces, and still had 25 billion left over to buy about a thousand tons of gold, which would put them ahead of China. And so, and this is just five measly little companies. Imagine if the whole S&P 500 needed to move to cash, uh, needed to move to the monetary metals uh, in order to make payroll, <laughs> because companies that don't make payroll evaporate into nothing uh, when they can't pay their employees. And, and that's, that's why they would do it, because the question that you get from most mainstream people is, why in the heck would Exxon want to buy gold anyway? And you're saying because... They need to make payroll. They need payroll. to make payroll. <laughs> they need to pay their employees. Otherwise, their employees aren't going to do anything. All right. I well, mean, unfortunately, we're out of time, and I'm going to have you back because you have so many great things to talk about. We're going to have you back, Trace, on a, as a, on a regular basis. I have this feeling anyway. Uh, folks, uh, just to wrap up here, I just want to remind you again that you can learn more about Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand. You can take advantage of special trial offers. Uh, call, uh, call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426. 718-457-1426. Uh, next week, we got Bob Hoy on as our special guest. Bob will be talking to us 
about gold and silver and lots of other market uh, hist- from a historical point of view. Bob always has some great insight. In closing, I want to thank the staff at Voice America, starting with Tracy Trump. She's uh, she's uh, my senior executive producer. Uh, Ruben Colombe is the operations manager, and Travis Ortwin, my engineer. All these people make this project and this program logistically possible. And thanks again to you for listening. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time is real, real. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.